0: Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Matt Steele. It is entitled, Grace With Us. Matt. Good afternoon, everyone. Am I on this time, Rick? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> I apologize ahead of time, especially those of you in the splash zone. Um, <clears throat> I'm Got a lot of allergies today, so I will do my best to not, you know, sneeze on you or, or even fall over. My, my balance is starting to go as well, so that's always fun. If I do fall over, just carry on. Yes, that's fine. So the other day, um, I was talking with my boys, and we have just the most amazing and interesting conversations around the dinner table sometimes. Um, and this particular time, he asked a very simple question. He said, Daddy, what is grace? And that, at first, you're, well, that's an easy question, right? It's an easy, I can answer that. So I took a few seconds and I thought, well, how how should I say this? Well, son, God's grace is his mercy towards us, his pardon of us, even though we don't deserve it, even though our ways are far from His ways. God's grace is unmerited favor towards us. We didn't do anything to earn it. He had grace towards us before we even knew who He was, that He existed. He had grace towards us. You know, and he seemed happy with the answer. I got my my dad points for the day, And, and hopefully he'll remember that, because these things are true. But then as I thought about it, it just didn't seem sufficient, because grace is huge. Grace has so many facets. There's so much in the grace of God towards us, so much in his plan, so much in his word that he's revealing about his grace. And so it just didn't seem like enough and so it it germinated an idea for uh, with God's grace I may add for this message today so how can we describe God's grace just with words you know that's the the task of the day that's the challenge of the day to describe God's grace we have to truly consider it and when we do We really should be filled with wonder when we consider God's grace towards us. And I'm not just talking about what the scripture says because the scriptures are full of beautiful imagery of God's grace. But each one of us has God's grace in our lives. Events and times, things that happen to us that could only have been by his grace, by his favor towards us. Grace, in many ways, is the manifestation of God's love, isn't it? It is almost the the action arm of His love. It promotes Him to do things for us, to provide for us, to intercede for us. And it's the reason that we're all here in the beginning, in the first place. That He created us is in His grace, by His grace. And then, once created... We did really well at behaving and living up to his desires for us, didn't we? But still, even with falling short, God provides grace to us. And all of humanity is still here because of his grace. Grace is the reason that God is still with us, personally, individually. That grace is the reason that he's still with us, because we know that we have failed at times, that we have sinned, that we have fallen away from from the path that he wants us to follow because it's healthy and it's good for us. And we have fallen from that grace. And yet, he is still gracious towards us. Grace is far more than we can just say with words because it is, in many ways, I think, part of the nature of God. And for us, these insignificant little beings compared to him, to understand God's nature, to try and, and envision and, and, and get our mind around the being that created all that there is and that still loves me God's grace. But we are given some wonderful examples. And so, over the next few minutes, I want to maybe give Benjamin and, and myself, and, and maybe the rest of us, a different answer, a better answer, an expanded answer of what God's grace is. It's interesting, if you do a, 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 look, a look up in a Bible software, you find a lot of statements of God's grace. And they're just where the word is used. If you were to, if you were to expand that where the actions of God, his graciousness towards us, I'm, I'm sure that would be multiplied immensely. But one of the earliest ones that really caught my eye was in Exodus chapter thirty-three and verse seven. And it, you know, I, I probably read this scripture before. It's it's maybe a by-the-way scripture onto the next part. You know, the, I think the next part is really focusing on uh, the tabernacle and the building of the tabernacle. It, it's easy to skip over this this passage. And so in verse seven. Exodus 33, verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. Which I don't blame him. I mean, he's trying to get away from all the Israelites, right? I'd probably do the same. And he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside of the camp. And so it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people... And each man stood at his tent, uh, tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. But all the people saw the pillar uh, of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. So just think of that. Just think of being Moses walking out to this tent. What am I going to say to God? What, What am I bringing to him? the concerns of the people, my concerns. What's going through his mind? He's walking out there to this this tent, to this meeting place, and he knows that he is going to meet with the creator, the one that just led the children of Israel out of Egypt and did all of his wonders, and he's just going to talk to him face to face. What was that like? I mean, <laughs> I get nervous around famous people. I mean, if you're meeting somebody that maybe you'd admire, you have a lot of respect for, your tongue gets tied, you say silly things, or you think you say silly things. But here he was, he was going to talk to God, to the Lord, to Yahweh, the great I am. He's going to go talk to him face to face just like you and I would meet, An incredible experience. How would you handle it? What would run through your mind? What words would you use? Would you be really careful in what you had to say? Nothing frivolous, I imagine. Right? You know, you would go in there with respect, with love, but there would be real conversation, important words shared between one another. But how can this be? How can this actually happen? How is it that Moses can talk face-to-face with God? Didn't Jesus say that no one had seen the Father? John chapter 6 Verse 46, he says, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. So who is this Yahweh? Because that's the term that's used for Lord in this passage. That Moses is talking to face to face. Who is this? There's no one has seen the Father. And if we don't believe Jesus, then we might as well go home. So, who is this one? Well, of course, it is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is the one we know as Joshua later, as Jesus. Then in Exodus uh, 33, verse 12, Moses says to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Therefore now, now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people a lot going on in here. But also, he's just like us, isn't he? God, I need to hear your voice. I need to know that you're with me in this challenge, in this difficulty, in this decision. Whatever it may be in life. I need to know that you're with me. If I have found grace in your eyes, almost approving it, there's almost a well, if I found grace, then, then will you do this? That I may know you, find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. You know, one of the things that we also take for granted, because we know the story, right? We know the story of Israel, and they journey through the wilderness for, for 40 years. And we, we know all of this. But at this point, I don't think Moses knew if God was going to stick around. Because if you remember, if he, if he understood the, the story of the patriarchs, he would have known that God came and visited Abraham. And then he would go away for a while. And then he would come back and visit again. Not that God was a, a far off, but there's a very much an obvious interaction that comes and goes. The same with Isaac and Jacob. And so here is Moses perhaps a little petrified because he's just brought this whole nation out of slavery. You know, God has brought the nation out of slavery. But Moses is this human leader. Are you going to stick around and help me with this? Who's going to come with me? Who's going to help me in this? This huge challenge. And he doesn't want God to forget that these people are his nation, are his people. So who is gonna go with him? So that's why he says, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know by name, I know you by name, and I've found grace, you have found grace in my sight. Therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way. Which is the way that you want me to take these people? That I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And then God replies. The Lord replies, he says, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you, And I will give you rest. And this is a central part of God's grace. God's presence with us. His dwelling with us. And what we're getting ready to do in in what? Just a, a month or so? To tabernacle with us. To dwell with us. The same promise that God gave to Moses is the same promise that he gave to us. It is the proof that we are his people. It is that central piece that Curtis was talking about, being able to give an answer. It is the proof to us that God is with us. God's grace is present in us. Moses needs to know that he was not alone, just like we need to know that we are not alone. And our question is the same as his. And Jesus has already given us the answer, hasn't he? In John chapter 14 and 18, I will not leave you orphans. Because if for some reason God just left Israel out in the the wilderness, after all that he had done, that's what they would have been. They just would have been orphans, cut off. No food, no water, no sustainable country to live in. They probably would have just died in the wilderness. Maybe some would have returned to Egypt. They would have been orphaned. Jesus, just as he did say to them, he says to us in a different way, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me. And I in you the presence God's presence is central to his grace for us by God's grace we have brought out of that sin we've been brought out of darkness and we were spiritually fatherless but not anymore we are no longer orphans we are not fatherless Still, a little question, isn't there? Will he leave us? Will he, will he still come with us? By his grace, he said that he will. And Moses shows us right here, all through his life, the Lord never left him. And you know, I also find it interesting that passage when, when God says, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And certainly, God can give him different kinds of rest. But I wonder if that's alluding to the rest that God was going to bring to Moses at the end of his journey, when he really did lay him to rest in spite of his his strength, in spite of the fact that his eyes were not dull. God had a very particular plan of grace working out in the life of Moses, and then would lay him to rest. Interesting. God never abandoned Israel in spite of everything that they did to try and push him away. Therefore, we can have faith that God will not abandon us. I'm not sure you noticed, but at the beginning of the passage that we read in verse 7, there's something else interesting that's going on. Moses. It says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp far from the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting. Whose tent was it? It's Moses's tent. It's just an average tent made for a man. It isn't the tabernacle that they will later build. It's just Moses's tent. Now, why is that important? God meets Moses At his own tent. God is willing to come down. At Moses humble little tabernacle. And meet with him. Face to face. Is he willing to do that for us? Well of course. We know that. God has to meet us where we are. And we are in this earthen tabernacle. We 're in this weak, humble little shack, not even a shack. We're in this tabernacle, and God, by His grace, meets with us. And the tabernacle, as we know, in fact the, the next passage, talks about the building of the tabernacle, and that continues on all the way until the, the, uh, Solomon built the temple. But God meets us at this. The creator of the universe came to Moses' tabernacle and met with him face to face because of God's grace, by his grace. Jesus says to each of us in John chapter 14 and verse 23, If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and, and will come unto him and make our abode, our tabernacle." So Moses and, and God are playing out in this, in this imagery that we see here, the very real grace that Christ, through the Spirit, will later bring to each and every one of us, has brought to each one of us. And I, do, I remember one time listening to a, a sermon where the minister was talking about what happens when God makes his abode with us, makes his tabernacle with us. He doesn't just come and and sit in an easy chair and visit. He starts moving furniture and redecorating the walls and throwing stuff out that does not belong there. He cleans up the place. A little bit of paint here or there. He reorganizes this tabernacle. And it's not comfortable. But God's grace is working in us doing that. This is grace. God with us. And that is Emmanuel, isn't it? That is Christ in us. God coming to our tabernacle and making his home with us. A place where we can, through the spirit, meet with him face to face, as Moses did. And even perhaps, it's more intimate than that. And when two people, two friends are meeting face to face and they're having a deep mutually beneficial conversation, sharing and exchanging ideas. There's still the ability, isn't there, to hold thoughts aside and not say certain words. But the relationship that God has with us through his spirit is is closer than that, deeper than that, if we'll let it, if we will share with him our, our deepest fears, our strongest desires, And allow his spirit to communicate with us. Going back to Exodus 33. and verse 15. It says. Then he Moses said to him. The Lord. If your presence does not go with us. Do not bring us up from here. For how then. Will it be known that your people. And I have found grace in your sight. Except you go with us. So we shall be separate your people and I from all the people who are on the face of the earth. Don't don't tell us to go anywhere else. Don't send us somewhere else if you're not going to go with us. It's the only way we know that we have your grace, that we have your favor. Don't leave us. And it's interesting that Moses He's not exactly questioning, but he's making God repeat it, isn't he? Are you sure you're not going to leave us? Am I truly lovable? Do I have worth? Will the Lord really come to me? Will he really come and live with me? Same questions that we, every single person, might ask. And they're at their lowest in prayer. In the end, that's the only real test. Now, I've seen that on the face of my child one time. I won't say which one it was. But I was holding one of them, and the other from across the room had a look of, Oh, do you love me the same? I could just read it. And I went over and I scooped him up and held him just the same. And that is grace. That is God's grace done in our lives to bring us all to him and him into us. God says to us just as he said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken for you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. I know who you are, Moses. I know you. I will do these things. I will stay with you. And he did. He, Jesus, and the Father know us by name. They know us by name. And they are staying with us. We have found grace and favor in their eyes. And they have made our, their abode with us as proof, the evidence of God's love and his grace. And then Moses says something really incredible because... Again, this is God he's talking to. <laughs> and, and yes, he's his friend. And they, they are meeting face to face. But Moses wants more. Moses wants something else. And in verse 18, he says, please show me your glory. I mean, I find that bold. It's not enough that you're friends with God and that you meet face to face, but you want to see him in all of his glory. That's pretty bold. And then God says this. He says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. He said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. There's a, there's a lot in there. Why did he have to cover, you know, cover his face with his hand? Why did he do that? Why didn't he just turn and then then turn on his glory, right? In his glorified state? Why all these different pieces? And the first part of this statement doesn't seem to make sense with the second part. I don't know if you've noticed that. Instead of just saying, I will, but you can't see my face, and and, and, and then proceeding to, to do that. He says this this first part. He says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. What is that going to do for revealing God's glory. Well, I think part of it is that Moses was maybe asking amiss. God knew what he was asking for. God knew that he wanted to see him in his glorified state, in that shining like the sun, the power. He he wanted to hear that voice that would split rocks. He wanted to see God's glory. And yet, that is not the most glorious thing about God. And we get that from the first part of the answer. The first answer that God gives. The glory of God is all of his goodness. It is his grace towards us. It is his compassion and mercy on whomever he wills. And for this one, for this being, who is going to proclaim the name of the Lord. Well, that's further confusing, because isn't he the Lord? Isn't the one that's speaking the Lord? So how is he gonna proclaim the name of the Lord? And specifically, the one that's speaking is Yahweh, and he's gonna proclaim Yahweh. It's really, really interesting. So in order to explain this, I need some help. And there's two little boys that are going to come up. Uh Uh-oh. Well, that was bad timing. Well, okay. Benjamin, you're going to have to do it all yourself. Come on up. Joseph's going to be so mad. Benjamin is going to read, um, well, he's going to uh, say, the first verse from John, chapter one, verse one. You remember it? In principio erat verbum, et verbum erat apodeum, erat verbum. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here comes Joseph. Come on up here. All right, Joseph. Say it in Latin. Awesome. Thank you very much, boys. Now, you notice that we, we, we had a speaking in tongues, right? And then we had a translation, so we're all good here, right? We got the translation. John chapter 1 and verse 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God who was na- whose name was John. And this man came for a witness. To bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light. But was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives life to every man according to the world. And coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as he has received him, he gave them right to become the children of God. To so those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Moses asked, show us, show me your glory. And God gave this cryptic answer because his real glory is what Christ manifested. And, you know, you think about it, John did not see Jesus in his glorified state. Not in the way that Moses was asking for. He saw God's glory in a different way. In the life of Jesus. In his graciousness. His mercy. In the salvation that he was bringing. This is the glory of God. Yes, he is powerful. Yes, he is Brighter than the sun. And his presence would just electrify every atom around us. But more glorious than that is God's grace. And that's what John saw in the life of Jesus. God, that was seen by the disciples. They saw that glory in the life of Jesus. Even Paul, who did see some of that that other glory knocked down on the road to Damascus and all the others saw God's glory manifest in Jesus in his mercy in his faithfulness and his willingness continues in us to stick with us through all of our troubles and all of our trials verse 15 it says John bore witness of him and cried out saying this was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has what? Declared him. Remember, that's what God's answer was to Moses in the beginning. I'll show you my glory. I will show you my grace. I will show you my mercy. And I will show this one that will proclaim, that will declare the name of the Lord. And so in that passage, that we could easily skip over was a promise of the Messiah, of Jesus, declaring the name of the Lord. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And Jesus did. And this doesn't make a lot of sense unless we realize two things. That Yahweh is, in fact, a family name. A family name. And secondly, that it was Jesus speaking to Moses with the promise of his glory, which is his grace. That God will have mercy on us. He will have compassion on us. And even while we are sinners, that through his own grace, by his own name, the Father and the Son will make their tabernacle with us. His presence with us in this earthly tabernacle and will never leave us. This is grace with us. And in closing, I want to read a small passage uh, from a, a book that Renee has. And I'd finished my, my sermon this morning and I told Renee what, what it was about. And about 30 minutes later, she comes back with this devotional book that she's been reading. Do you recognize that, Ken? This was given to her by uh, Ken Glender, I believe, when she was in um, a hospital trying to keep those boys growing for as long as possible. And it's a, it's a daily reading. It's called Experiencing God Day by Day. And for September 17th, this is what it says. The scripture is, When Solomon had finished praying, Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of God and this is the devotional. The glory of the Lord is his presence, just like we read earlier. When God occupies a place, his glory is unmistakably evident. God has a high standards for where he will make his presence known. He does not respond to our whims will come to our, on our terms. Solomon longed for God's presence to be obvious in the temple. He had painstakingly built for him. Solomon had spared no expense or effort in building it as a house for the Lord. Yet he understood that constructing a spectacular building was no guarantee that God would choose to inhabit that place. So Solomon prepared himself and the people in the hope that God would look upon them with favor. The priestly choir sang and played instruments in praise to God. The priests sacrificed so many animals on the altar that they could not count them. Solomon prayed, and when he finished, fire came down from heaven and consumed their offering. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. God's glory was so overpowering in Solomon's temple that the priests could not carry on their normal activities. There is no mistaking when God inhabits a place God's glorious presence fills a a place. And it is impossible to carry on business as usual. The New Testament teaches that our lives are temples. because Because Christ abides in us. We cannot assume by this that our lives are pleasing to him. Like Solomon, we must thoroughly prepare ourselves. So that God will choose to reveal his presence in our lives. When he does there will be no doubt that it is God. Grace, God's presence in our lives, is the evidence of his grace, is the evidence of his love. Grace with us.